Before we dive on into football, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Southern Cigar Co. Southern Cigar Co. is a premium cigar subscription service founded with the goal of connecting cigar lovers around the world with nothing but the best smokes. Heading into a cigar shop and choosing from a vast selection could be a daunting task. Southern Cigar Co. has developed a service that takes away the worry and the hassle while providing you with premium cigars every single month. For under $40 per month and free shipping within the United States, Southern Cigar Co. will ship four of their finest cigars right to your door, with the first box of every subscription including a triple torch lighter, a double guillotine cutter, a Boveda humidity pack, and an informational card displaying everything you need to know about your newest cigars. There's no better pairing to Sunday football and your favorite bottle of beer or glass of scotch than one of Southern Cigar Co.'s top-of-the-line smokes. With the holiday season right around the corner, the world's best cigar subscription would make the perfect gift for the cigar lover in your life. Head to southerncigarco.com and enter code PUTB for 10% off your first order. Again, that's southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. And now, back to the football. Bonjour, hello, and happy Thursday, everyone, and Merry Christmas from the Pick of the Blitz family. Welcome to the Pick of the Blitz podcast, hosted live on the Locker Room app. It is Thursday morning. We're doing our show a little bit earlier than usual today, this week, given the holidays and all, and we'll be with our families later today. So uh, we're going to get started here on the Locker Room at 11 a.m. instead of what we usually do later in the day, and this this show will... Uh, We'll be up later as well for everyone to listen to on podcasting platforms if you're listening uh, after the live show. So uh, today we're going to go over a lot of playoff scenarios, a lot of playoff football uh, implications from week 16. There are a lot of teams that could clinch, uh, clinch a playoff spot this week going into week 17. A lot of teams that could uh, clinch the division, clinch different seeds. So we'll go over all the game picks as we usually do uh, with uh, football starting actually tomorrow on Christmas Day on Friday. Nick, I don't know if you know. But this is the only NFL season in NFL history where a game is played on every single day of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Given the fact that games were pushed from Sundays to Tuesdays to Wednesdays because of COVID, there has been a game played now that we'll have one on a Christmas Friday every single day of the week this NFL season. So if that doesn't punctuate how odd of an NFL season it has been this year, uh, I don't know what does. But can I say, like, and I've always, for, for years, I've always worried about the NFL oversaturating itself and having too many games available and, and people getting tired of the sport. But because of the cancellations and, like, getting that random 5 p.m. Wednesday football game against the Steelers and the Ravens, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of awesome. To have it was kind of awesome. And, like, because, you know, you can watch some college games, but generally the college games that you're going to get on, like, a Thursday night or a random Wednesday are probably not the top programs. It's like, you know, Arkansas State versus FAU or something like that. And, it, and it's not really that exciting. So, shot of your own alma mater there. Oh, yeah. I think it's – oh, my goodness. FAU football. <laughs> uh, they got destroyed yesterday by Memphis. Um, anywho, uh, it's, it's been nice to have football kind of sporadically sprinkled into our weekly endeavors this last yeah. few months. I, I I could not agree more. I think uh, of, of all years, we needed a little bit of extra football. We needed a little bit of extra something to distract us on pretty much every single day of the week for the past bunch of months. So I, for one, wholeheartedly yeah. agree that uh, it was it was and definitely it happened, appreciated it this year. It did not feel oversaturated. Yeah. 
Yeah, it it, it yeah, really it, all it was came it together was the, nicely. It was the yeah, agreed. Sorry, I lost you there for a sec. But, um, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, 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 I think you're good. You just had a little uh little okay. connection issue symbol for for half a second. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, um, so. I think uh, I think we'll start off with uh, with something else uh, a little bit unrelated to the playoffs because I know it's going to be the majority of our show uh, in a couple of minutes. Instead, I'm going to turn to an NFL.com article. Uh, this was Tom Pellicer, an NFL.com reporter. He pulled, along with the help of some NFL stats analysts, um, 22 NFL executives, so GMs, VP of Football Ops, guys right underneath them, those those kinds of positions on end of year awards. And I know we did a, we did a little bit of this at the very beginning of the year. We did it halfway through the year, discussed who we think should win uh, the end-of-season awards. I'm talking Offensive Player of the Year. I'm talking MVP, Coach of the Year, et cetera. Uh, so now I think it's very apropos while uh, we're going to get these awards uh, in just, uh, just a little bit of time for us to put our final stakes, our final predictions in. Because I think at this point in the year, uh, these awards are always regular season, right? So we pretty much know who the candidates are. So I'd love to get your take on it, Nick. I'll give my take, and then I'll let you know what 22 NFL execs say about these particular awards. So we'll run down the list of the, uh, the highest profile ones. So we'll start with MVP. It's written in the article, and in my personal opinion, I think it's pretty much a two-horse race with maybe a third horse, you know, uh, trying to make a comeback effort, comeback bid, if you will, for this awards. I'm curious who you now have uh, as your 2020 regular season MVP. So for first, can you hear me all right, Justin? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay, because uh, I, I I had the signal there for a while and I wasn't 100 percent sure why, so I apologize for that. Um, so for me, I, I think the two horses you're referring to are uh, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, correct? And yeah. and the third one, I wonder, is are you thinking Josh Allen? Is that maybe that third? That's my third. Yeah. Okay. So um, for me, I think it's got to be uh, Rodgers, just because the season he's having. I know they don't have as many wins. Uh, in the same record mile, that the, the left uh, two lanes to turn left onto the I-95 Excuse me. Goodness gracious. My apologies. The travel podcast. Travel podcast. Yes. Again, I apologize. I, I I apologize. Hold on. Let me. So my answer is very simply Aaron Rodgers because I think the season he's been having is insane. I think uh, as, as good as the Packers, as, as good as the Chiefs have been rather, um, Aaron Rodgers' numbers are just absolutely insane. Um, and while he has some weapons, he doesn't nearly have the same weaponry that uh, that um, Patrick Mahomes has available to him. So for me, uh, I think I think Aaron Rodgers is a slick. It's a slight nod, a slight edge over Patrick Mahomes on the season. I just think Aaron, what he's done this year is vintage Aaron Rodgers. It's the Aaron Rodgers of four or five years ago. And for me, I think that's good enough to at least for this year overtake Mahomes. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Rodgers as well. I think it's more, in my opinion, a a narrative reason, you know, behind it. Aaron Rodgers is probably on one of his final years where he's going to still be at this magical level, right? He won Most Valuable Player. It's been over five or six years since he since the last won the award. Mahomes won it two years ago, and will probably win it many times over. And I. I I think in some voters' minds, that's going to play a little bit of weight. I have a feeling they'd be very split regardless. So I'm going to say that that narrative storyline piece sort of pushes the needle, that final little bit, and, and lets, uh, lets Aaron Rodgers snag the award. 
There is one dark horse candidate that, that we didn't mention the name of yet that was actually voted on by one particular executive. This is obviously a, um, like a straw poll. It doesn't mean anything. But for this particular article by NFL.com, uh, running back Derrick Henry got one vote. And when we're talking most valuable player, which this is debated in all kinds of sports, what should the award, who should it really go to? You know, the most, uh, the most statistically deserving the uh, person who carries their team the most, which is kind of what most valuable player would mean. Derrick Henry is like top of that list, right? The Titans go nowhere if they don't have Derrick Henry. So I think that that's an interesting vote. I don't think he wins because quarterbacks almost always win unless there's a record-breaking running back season um, and there's no quarterbacks who deserve it. But in this case, I think it's Rodgers. But the Derrick Henry piece is interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a vote or two. Honestly, he's not the running back I would have guessed because I had I had one running back in mind when you started talking about a dark horse candidate, and I was I was thinking Dalvin Cook, but then I, as I kind of thought through it before you said it was Derrick Henry, um, you know, Cook hasn't done enough to propel the Vikings to success, so it can't be him. Although he's had a great year, um, you know, it, if it, the Vikings it, had the Titans' record, then maybe Cook, but it, just yeah, because exactly. they're probably not going to make the playoffs, it, it, it doesn't doesn't have the same uh, weight. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent. So I, I don't know. I think, you know, I think Derek Henry is as, as amazing as he is. Um, I, you know, he does a lot of great things for the Titans. He really helps the Titans. And I actually, Oh, unfortunately Sean left. And I would have loved to get his take on this. Um, but, uh, you know, we got it. Brian Tannehill also does a lot for that team as well. So I, right. while I like Derek Henry and I, I appreciate what he's capable of doing, he had a couple of games this year where he kind of disappeared a little bit on them. Um, and granted they didn't win. So maybe that's actually more uh, inviting for a, a, a MVP vote, but I don't know. I think, I think the three quarterbacks we talked about were, have just done more to bring their teams to um, that, that playoff prominence that you really want at the end of the, at the end of the year. And I think uh, as much as I like Derrick Henry and I love seeing him stiff arm people like they're, you know, like they're nothing, they're not another human trying to bring them down. Um, I, I don't think I don't think he's got enough. I don't think he's done enough to to be an MVP candidate, which sucks because I would also like to see a non-quarterback win MVP. So on this particular article, Mahomes received 13 votes, Rodgers received six, Josh Allen received two, and Derrick Henry got one out of the 22 executives. So uh, they actually think Mahomes is the answer here. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it goes to Patrick Mahomes. I do think it's going to be very close. Um, Patrick Mahomes is of course setting records once again he's throwing for more yards and more touchdowns than pretty much anyone ever has so wouldn't surprise me at all if it's Patrick Mahomes he is certainly the most valuable player on his team he's certainly the reason his team is as unstoppable as it is so he's just as deserving as Aaron Rodgers like I said in my opinion I think the storyline of Rodgers winning one more time might push him over the edge because he might never have a season like this again uh, but it, it's going to be close so um, that and you know what else to- has been fun I'm yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, no. Another Go. thing that's another thing that's been fun about watching Aaron Rodgers in this year is that he has actively said to the media that he wants this award. Like, I think, and I think that's amazing. He's like, yeah, I want that MVP award. You guys have ignored me for too long. I'm here to prove that I'm still in that conversation. I love that. And like, if I'm a, if I'm one of the 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 people who gets to vote, just that like that that macho ness, 100 percent of voting for Aaron Rodgers. 100%. That's always been Rodgers, though, right? That, like, bombastic oh, but, confidence. But I, feel like, but I feel like we've been missing it the last few years, and I don't yeah. know why. I mean, I, and the Packers have, outside of last year where they were really good and they had that run to the NFC Championship, 
they haven't been as good as we would expect them to be the last few years. So I think Rodgers is now just saying, you know, you guys forgot about me, and I'm here to remind you why you should never do that ever again. And I, and I love I, it. I, I agree that it adds it adds a little bit, right, of, of I don't know if you want to call it weight or a little bit of uh, umph. I think is like the only sound or noise I can make to, to emphasize exactly what I mean to his campaign. It's like, you know what? He's calling for it and he's backing it up. Yep. Yeah. It's like, it's like when somebody, uh, it's like when somebody takes a, a deep three and they start walking away and they know the shots go, cause they know the shots going in. That's kind of like the vibe I'm getting from Rogers in this is he's just sitting back throwing touchdowns, knowing that MVP is already in his pocket. I love it. I love it. So let's quick hit a few more of these. They don't go into offensive player of the year because the article admits, which is often true that the award usually goes to whoever wins the MVP because it's very often an offensive player. So uh, there's a bit of a, a skip over that on this article. So let's jump right into, we'll quick hit uh, these. Just give me uh, a name and a sentence or two. Why? Defensive player of the year. So I, I oh, for weeks, I have been saying Xavier Howard. And I've been, do, and been doing so without that Homer mentality um, because of he's just had an incredible season. He intercepts every everybody all the time, always. Um, but watching how TJ Watt played, uh, on, on Monday night, even though the Steelers lost and the Steelers are not a good football team, and I've been saying that for weeks, um, T.J. Watt is really good at football and doing his job. So I think for right now, based on what we saw last week, and it's still up in the air for me uh, over the course of these next two weeks, we'll see who really kind of distances themselves. But I think I have to give the slight nod to T.J. Watt. He is incredible at playing defense. And I think that's what this award is about. Given the fact that it's Defensive Player of the Year, I, I agree with that statement. I agree with your final statement. I, as, a, as a Dolphins fan, I, I find it hard to not push for Xavier Howard because he's having such a phenomenal season. He is, and I, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, Xavier Howard is a very large portion of the reason that the Miami Dolphins are in playoff contention. Turnovers have been the primary reason the Dolphins have won so many games. They've won the turnover differential handedly over and over again. And Xavier Howard keeps forcing turnovers. So I want to say Xavier Howard because he's having a cornerback season that uh, if he gets another pick now and brings it to 10, hasn't been had in over 10 years. I think that's pretty damn impressive. So I'm going to go Xavier Howard. The article here, the uh, executives that were polled, 19 of 22 picked Aaron Donald to win the award. You can't argue with it because he's the best defensive player in football. And I think a lot of times fans just don't notice him as much when he doesn't put up the 20 sacks that he can in a given season because it almost seems normal for him now. Sure. But he's, he is, I think goes without saying, the hardest player to defend as an offensive line coach in the entire NFL. He's the hardest player to game plan around. So I can't argue with it. Because he's won the award twice in the past uh, three years, it almost it almost makes it less exciting, less storyline esque when when he gets the award. So I'm not sure he'll get it again. But according to these executives, it's almost a landslide. Donald got 19, Watt got two, and Xavier Howard got one uh, in this in this particular poll. All right, let's quick hit another one here. This one is Xavier Howard only. Year. Howard only got one. Yeah, because Donald swept 19 of the 22 votes. See, that, but, see, that's not right. But anyway, maybe we'll voters will disagree. Later. Maybe voters will disagree. Yeah. Offensive rookie of the year. Nick disagrees. <laughs> um, so I think it's done. <laughs> yeah, right. If only I had that kind of power. 
Um, let's make it happen, locker room. I want I want to vote in one of these awards. It doesn't matter which one. Just give me one. Um, so offensive rookie of the year, I think, comes down to two candidates, right? Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert, both Justins. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I don't – I think I have to – I think I'd have to give it to Herbert just because he's having a record-breaking rookie season. And I, and Justin Jefferson, as good as he is, and I like I think he's going to be one of the next really big names in receiving. Um, I just think right now, because of because Herbert has had a couple of really good uh, primetime games, right, uh, where he's been able to show what he's got in front of an, a full uh, USA audience, and he's breaking every single rookie passing record, I, I think it's so I uh, I am actually going Justin Jefferson here. He is breaking rookie records just as Herbert is for uh, quarterbacking. Jefferson is for receiving. And what Jeff, Justin Jefferson has done as a rookie, been able to replace Stephon Diggs with that offense, really not missing a beat, has been very impressive to me. I know it's unfair, but the fact that Herbert hasn't won while he's been putting up these kinds of numbers has kind of just, it's just, it's soured it a little bit for me. And so when you have someone who so directly feels like they also deserve the award, I'm leaning Justin Jefferson. I'm curious. I want to get uh, I want to get Maxwell's take on this. He's requesting to come up. So, Maxwell, what uh, what are your thoughts on uh, offensive rookie of the year? Yeah, I, I decided to to jump up because I'd have I have feelings on this, and I feel like I I, I assume that you guys are going to go to defensive rookie of the year next, right? Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to stay on for both, but. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I think I'm just more impressed with Justin Jefferson, obviously splitting carries with Adam Thielen. Um, and, I, and obviously Dalvin Cook going to be in there when you're the, the third option on, on our offense. Um, and also, like, I think I, with, with Rookie of the Year, it's always – I'm always going to lean towards um, – I'm always going to lean towards rookies that have that have overcome a little bit more. And so, uh, you know, for that reason, for the numbers that Justin Jefferson has put up, especially as a, you know, a receiver, you know, in an independent position. And then Justin Jefferson was like the like the fourth or fifth <laughs> receiver drafted in his draft class. Like uh, he's, you know, overachieved all the other and it was deep, you know, receiver draft, too. And he's he's overachieved everybody. So, um, you know, I, I definitely am leaning toward Justin Jefferson, although, you know, Herbert's had a had a great year. Um, I think if if just Joe Burrow was still playing, he'd have a you know a great argument as well. Those those two guys have been, you know, playing well, probably overachieving. But I mean, it's overachieving is relative to the fact that Herbert was drafted like seventh <laughs> overall. So uh, I, I think I got to give it to Justin Jefferson. That's definitely fair. I, I really think this award can go either way, and the article pretty much. Uh, emphasizes that perfectly in that the votes were exactly split. One voter decided to give half their vote to Jefferson and half their vote to Herbert because obviously it was a fake poll and they could do that. So Jefferson got 10 and a half votes. Herbert got 10 and a half votes. And then actually one executive said, I'm going to, I'm going to go right out of way out of left field here. And I'm going to pick Tristan Wirfs, who's been a phenomenal tackle for the Buccaneers so far. But uh, I think uh, hell will freeze over before an offensive lineman wins this award. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to say that it's probably going to be Jefferson or Herbert. And, and the article here uh, definitely agrees. Maxwell, I know you're going to have strong feelings here on defensive rookie of the year, knowing uh, knowing the team you root for, knowing one of the phenomenal defensive rookies that is on that team. We have defensive rookie of the year here. The top candidates listed by this article are uh, edge rusher Chase Young. Jeremy Chin, safety from the Panthers, Patrick Queen, linebacker from the Ravens, Colt safety, uh, Julian Blackman, and Buck safety, Antoine Woodfield Jr. 
Max, do you want to go first? Because I, because I, I think I might agree with you and uh, your in what your take's going to end up being here, Max. Do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, so here's the thing: I, I actually don't mind, like, because I was, I've been, it, 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 it was not um, lost upon me that like Chase Young was going to get a lot of looks. Um, I, I, my argument for Jeremy Chin, though, like not only as a fan, but just like as a person, like looking at it, um, you know, again, I, I tend to lean towards like, okay, yeah, Jeremy Chin was a, a second round pick from, uh, you know, FCF's FCS school. Um, he's on a defense that was not projected to be, you know, good by, by any stretch. And, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not like a, you know, a top half of the NFL defense, but, um, it's a defense that's kept the team in, you know, every game, virtually every game this year. Um, and he's been one of the reasons for that, you know, as a, as a player that is lining up at, at safety and linebacker sometimes, um, and I think the st- I'm trying to pull up the stats. My computer's running a little slow here, but you know, the, I mean, the stats are obviously much different. Like, de- like Chase Young plays um, defensive end, Jeremy Chin's in a different position. Um, and, and I, I'm, again, I'm I'm not clear on. I got I'm trying to look up what uh, Antoine Wolf, uh, Antoine Winfield and Patrick Queen and some of the other candidates are doing this year. Um, but I think I, I think uh, Jeremy Chin has has had a really impressive year. Um, I, I think Chase Young, my fear with Chase Young was always going to be, um, if Chase Young has like any semblance of a good year, you know, he's got a lot of the clout from, you know, obviously Ohio state and being drafted number two overall. So, you know, narrative wise, there's all the reasons for Chase Young to, um, for people to, to favor Chase Young because they're, they they know the name, they're going to be like, okay, he's impressive. It doesn't help that Chase Young just got voted to the Pro Bowl, which I don't think was deserved either. Um, but but yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for my guy, but um, I, I think the voting in general is just going to be interesting to see how it how it kind of breaks out. Um, and, and there's still a couple games left to play, so we'll, we'll see how it is. But um, you know, I, I think again. With Jeremy Chin, just um, and I'm, I finally got his stats up here, but you know, just uh, kind of where where he's uh, where he's drafted, how he's how much he's impressed, how much um, he's been uh, essential to a defense overachieving a bit. Um, I think you gotta definitely um, give him off, give Jeremy Chin a really serious look, and I hope that they voted. So I'm I actually think if we're being fair about this, I I, I agree with you. I think. Um, Chase Young, this award was Chase Young's to lose, um, regardless of basically how he played. Um, so I, I think with that, I, I think he's had a good year, but I don't think he's been a game, like a complete and total game changer the way you want your defensive rookie to be. And uh, while Washington has been better than I think anyone ever could have expected, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know how much I can say. You know, Chase Young helps, but he's not the, the focal point of that. You know, five and a half sacks, or he's got three fumble recoveries. I mean, he's having a good year. But Jeremy Chin, I think, is more deserving of it because I think um, he, what he has done uh, kind of statistically is enough to, to push me in that direction. Uh, over 100 tackles, two touchdowns, two fumble recoveries that went for those two touchdowns. Jeremy Chin is somebody that I loved coming into the 2020 draft. I wished with all of my heart that the Dolphins would take him to replace Rashad Jones. They did it, and that made me sad. I think Jeremy Chin is more deserving overall than Chase Young is, but I agree with you, Max. So I think Chase, this is Chase Young's award, and it was his award uh, you know, last year when he decided to declare for the draft. It was his to lose. I like 
Blackman and Winfield both in this conversation. My problem with the two of them as even thoughts here is that neither have had as good a season as Jeremy Chin has had, and they played the same defensive position. So in the, in my mind there, you kind of have to cross out Blackman and Winfield because you can't, you're not going to give it to them over Chin. So even if you were to give it to them over Chase Young, it doesn't really matter, right? Because Chin has had a, a better year statistically, and I think he's made more of an impact on uh, his defense. Certainly than Winfield has, maybe Blackman can be considered uh, as, as impactful for that Colts defense. But uh, Patrick Queen, also an interesting thought, sort of just a really uh, prominent name going into the draft that ended up on a really good defense. And so he's produced, but I'm not going to give it to him over Young or Chin. I, I lean Chase Young, not because of necessarily the name recognition or the um, draft status, more of the fact that, Nick, I kind of disagree a little bit in the fact that I think he's been a, a real game changer for that Washington defense. Maybe one detractor you can take away is that there are a lot of other great players on that front seven. So they might make things a little easier for Chase Young, but he's been the complete package, right? It's not just been pass rushing. It's not just been forcing turnovers. He's great at setting the edge. He was kind of their final piece. He completed that front seven. It's now one of the best front sevens in the NFL. And I think a lot of that is because of him. I lean him because of that piece of it, because of how he transformed and was really that final piece for the front seven. But I can't argue against Jeremy Chin. Neither can the article here. Neither can the voters in that uh, Chase Young got uh, Chase Young got 11 votes here. Jeremy Chin got eight. So very, very close. Then Patrick Queen, Julian Blackman, and Anson Winfield all got one vote each. So at the uh, at the bottom of the totem pole here. But definitely an interesting conversation. My guess is it'll go to Chase Young because of the name recognition, though these voters for these awards are always uh, high up in the uh, media sphere of the NFL. So most of them know the NFL quite well. I could see it definitely going either way. Yeah, I, I think it could too. I think it's, I think the Pro Bowl <laughs> results kind of like, kind of deflated the air out of like any Panthers hopes that, that, Jeremy Chimber will win the award, but we'll see. There's still a lot of football left to play. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for jumping on, Maxwell. Thanks, Maxwell. So, Nick, let's uh, let's quick hit the final two. I'm gonna I'm gonna mesh two of them together, and then we'll do one more. Uh, Coach of the year slash executive of the year. Quick pick one uh, each of those. Brian Flores and Chris Greer. You're gonna use the Dolphins on both. I, I oh, am because because they are a year ahead of their rebuild. How can first of all, okay, so how can you not give it to Flores, right? Okay. If you want to so make the I, argument, go yeah, go ahead and make your argument. argument again. Go ahead and make your argument. Real. So I am a proponent here as a as a Dolphins fan, seeing what he's done with this team. I'm, I'm voting Flores if I have a vote, which I don't. But the Kevin Stefanski argument, I think, cannot be overlooked. Which, by the way, is not even who they picked here, the voters. So I'll tell you in a minute who they picked. But Kevin Stefanski really transformed this Cleveland Browns team. Yeah. In my opinion, he's the reason that they're this playoff contender and really becoming this offensive powerhouse. They had the same players on offense last year, save for uh, a couple of offensive linemen, and they lost Odell Beckham. And now they're running over everybody, everyone. They're not losing to bad teams. They're keeping up with good teams. Kevin Stefanski, I think, given the historical context also of how bad the Browns have been, how bad their coaches have been. Not that that really should weigh into it, but in voters' minds, when they're casting their ballot, I think it will weigh into it. So as great as Flores has been, and I think he's just as deserving, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Kevin Stavansky wins. So I, I hear you, and I, I appreciate your uh, your Stefanski argument, um, but the the pieces on the Browns 
were significantly better than the pieces on the Dolphins, right? Can we agree on that? Were last year or are this year? This year. Yeah. I, I, well, I think over on the, the last offensive side of the ball. I think it's certainly on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, so so they you're talking and, and preaching all this wonderful offensive production for um, for Stefanski, and it sounds like they just needed to find a, a more competent coach than Freddie Kitchens, right? Because they had the majority of the weapons that they needed for them to be successful, and they're and they're two dynamic running backs, they're they're court they're hot and cold quarterback, and then a, a couple of decent receivers. So the 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 foundation for Stefanski was significantly higher, especially offensively, to. Uh, than, than what Brian Flores had to work with. And yet, they're only a game behind, right? The Dolphins are only a game behind the Browns right now, right? So, and and everyone kind of assumed that the Dolphins would be good next year, but they're competing for the playoffs this year. They've got a top defense, an elite defense in the league, with only a few people that, that uh, can be named outside of South Florida, right, on that defense, right? You've got a rookie quarterback who is is playing great despite the fact that he has no one to throw to like these are all things that the only way this works the way it is is because of the an elite coaching staff this team without a good coach would be would be in in the top 10 in terms of draft order not because they traded with the team that's already there they would be there themselves brian flores has transformed a team that was gutted last year into a playoff contender and he still has nothing offensively Right. So he's doing it off of one unit. So he has built an elite defense in one season that has gotten this team competitive. Right. To the point where they're they have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs well before anybody could have ever anticipated it. So for me, Brian Flores taking nothing. And even if they get to the playoffs and they get smacked, which is very likely, they are still a, a year a, to, to two years ahead of schedule when it comes to their rebuild. And that's all Brian Flores. That's no one else but him. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of your points. And the stat that emphasizes it most to me is that Miami had the 32nd defense, the worst defense in the NFL in points per game last year. And it's number one this year. The argument exactly. against that is, well, uh, Justin slash Nick slash Dolphins fans, they invested hundreds of millions of dollars on defense, and on top of that, had a treasure trove of draft picks. So if their defense didn't drastically improve, that'd be an indictment on Florida's. I think that's kind of unfair when you go from worst to first in one year, in a year where you have no training camp, in a year where there's COVID and you have to you know, drastically uh, change your practicing and your training, and in a year where you're, in, you're bringing in all these new guys, you usually don't gel right away. In under normal circumstances, you don't gel right away. So the fact that Miami's defense has been that good for pretty much the entire season, I think, speaks to Flores. The article here, the votes here from the execs, it's pretty dang split. Another voter decided that they could split their votes and they give uh, it's seven and a half to Stefanski. It's uh, it's six to Brian Flores. Sorry, six and a half to Stefanski, six to Brian Flores, and seven and a half to Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott, also who I think deserves to be in that conversation. That said... I think he went into this year uh, with a much better team, with a team that was a lot more gelled, a lot of the same players. They were competitive the last bunch of years. Doesn't take away all at all from what he's doing. And I think he deserves tremendous amount of credit for turning Josh Allen into uh, really an MVP candidate after being one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL just last year. So if McDermott wins, I won't have my gripes with it. But uh, I would say that I would vote Stefanski and Flores both uh, over Sean McDermott. The other two coaches who received a vote, 
were Kansas City's Andy Reid, who, if we're being honest, probably deserves the probably deserves all the votes. But he, he can he can get the, the the twenty he can get the decade award, right? Because right, they're going to exactly. be good for another you know fifteen thousand years. And then Mike Tomlin received the vote. I think that uh, that oh person that's just, so bad. That person just got their vote in maybe a couple weeks ago. Oh. And, I don't like uh, that at all. And hadn't had a chance to watch these last couple of games while they were still I, undefeated. I, ooh, even even when they were undefeated, I would have not given it to Mike Tomlin because so I never you, I never thought they were a legitimately undefeated team. They were always overrated, and I've been saying yeah. that for weeks. And you know, I that. mean, if they went sixteen and zero, it would have been hard to argue. But I I, I agree with you uh, in that I I would not have given it to Mike Tomlin either uh, a few weeks ago. The executive year you gave to Chris Greer, I think that's certainly fair given uh, what he's built. Uh, over the over such a short period of time, wouldn't surprise me at all. He got three votes here. Uh, it was actually Buffalo Bills exec Brandon Bean, their GM, who got the most votes. Uh, Pittsburgh. See, I think that's fair. I think that's yeah. very fair. If if because what they did, I think that move to get Stephon Diggs was a game changer and yeah. and a franchise changer uh, and the direction of the franchise changer. So if if you talk, you cannot argue to me that Sean McDermott deserves it over Brian Flores. But I can see the argument for the Buffalo Bills GM over Chris Greer. I can see that argument. So he got 11 votes. Chris Greer was second with three votes. And then it was a whole team of other guys. Cleveland's Andrew Berry also got three. Chris Ballard got two. Pittsburgh's Kevin Colbert got one. Kansas City's Brett Veach got one. And Tampa Bay's Jason Licht also got one vote. So uh, it was very split there. I want to move us into game picks and playoff talk. So I think this really only deserves one sentence anyway, or really only needs one sentence is the better way to put it. Your comeback player of the year is Alex Smith. Alex Smith. That's just, there's like, no other that, way to put it. It li- like he literally does. I don't care about anyone else. Alex Smith, 100%. Yeah. The dude when almost come, died. That's when, my yeah. sentence. <laughs> when you come back from pra- almost losing your life to almost losing your leg to then lead your team possibly to the playoffs. There's a, he only had to take a snap, and I would have given him the, the vote, but now he deserves... He didn't even need to take a snap. I was giving him the award just because he showed up. Are you <laughs> now he deserves Absolutely. all this. Yeah, 100%. There's no, there's no question here. Okay. All right, so that... Oh, and by the way, uh, someone who didn't get a vote for Coach of the Year, which I thought maybe should have, was Ron Rivera, given the fact that he coached while recovering from cancer and his team might be making the playoffs. I think that's and also pretty freaking yeah. impressive. So yeah. I'll throw that in there as well, given the fact, sure. you know, I, I'll give them both, give them both votes. I'm down for um, that. Okay, so playoff clinching scenarios. Let's play a bit of a game. It's going to be playoffs or not, or rather clinch or not. Will they clinch this week, week 16? I'm going to throw out a bunch of teams for you. I'm going to give that you is, the playoff clinching scenarios. That is a very uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable way to spin this, clinch or not. <laughs> but anyway, all right, let's. All right, let's clinch. It. Let's clinch. <laughs> clinch, not clench. Not clench. Clinch. It's, it's, it's too close, buddy. Different letter. Okay. All right. Maybe say it in French. It comes out weird. All right. Let's let's play. Let's play. <laughs> Cleveland Browns, ten and four. They're playing the New York Jets to clinch a playoff spot. Cleveland needs a Cleveland win plus a Baltimore loss to the New York Giants or. A Cleveland win plus a Miami loss to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, or a Cleveland win plus an Indianapolis Colts loss, or a Cleveland win plus a uh, Baltimore tie, or a Cleveland tie plus a, Baltimore, uh, a Miami loss. So a lot of different scenarios. Does Cleveland clinch a playoff spot this week? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Uh, and I think it's going to be th- them winning coupled with the Colt loss. 
because I think that there's going to be a I think there's going to be a little bit of a bounce back. I can't see the Steelers losing four in a row. I just can't. Okay. As bad as 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 bad as I think they are, I just I just don't see that happening. So for me, I'm I'm thinking that they, yes, they clinch. Yeah, I think it's too many things that would have to go wrong. I, I think it's uh, I, kudos to New York for winning against the Rams. They're not doing it twice in a row. I think it's given that Cleveland wins, and I think it's too many options they have there. Baltimore lost, Miami lost, or Indy lost. I'm going to say one of those teams loses. So I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I think that answers our next question. Indianapolis Colts, they need an Indy win plus a Baltimore loss or tie or a Miami loss or tie. Um, that's pretty much it, unless Indy ties. Yeah, I just – I don't think they're going to – I mean, they're just not going to win this week, So, in my yeah. opinion. So I think that's just going to be uh, – we're going to push that down the road. I think they, I think they inevitably will – make the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to clench their spot this week. By the way, I don't know if you noticed, I have said clench every single time. I just, I just caught it this time. It took, took me a little too long. That's <laughs> clever. Kansas City Chiefs clinches a first round bye with on its own, a KC It doesn't win, matter. Literally, doesn't, whatever your loss. scenario is, whatever your scenario is, it doesn't <laughs> yes. matter. It's, they're going to win. Alright, they, they play the Atlanta Falcons, so uh, I definitely don't disagree with you there. Pittsburgh Steelers clinch the AFC North division title with a win or a Cleveland loss or both of those two teams tie. I think you answered that already uh, as well. Yep. I think they're going to win this week against the Colts. So I think they will, I think they will clinch. <laughs> Tennessee Titans, AFC South division title. They need a win plus an indie loss to clinch the title. You answered that already. So yep. uh, in terms of clinching the playoff berth, they would only need a win. They play green Bay. Now, that's the question. Does Tennessee beat Green Bay? Because if they do, then you already are saying they win the title. But do you think they beat Green Bay? And we'll get into that with their game picks more as well. But a quick yes or no here. Uh, so I, I'm going to say no, they don't beat Green Bay. Okay. Quick so answer. then no, they Tennessee waits another week. Uh, but they could pinch the playoffs this week, by the way, without a win if Miami loses or Baltimore loses. So there is a potential there. But let's bring it to the NFC. We have the Arizona Cardinals playing 5-9 uh, and 49ers. They clinch a playoff berth with an Arizona win plus a Chicago Bears loss or tie. The Chicago Bears played the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ooh, okay. So, okay, can you say the, can you say the scenarios again for me? They have to win with Chicago losing or tying. I think, I think that's possible. I think they can clinch. You're calling it. You're saying yeah. they lose to Jacksonville? Let's let's have some fun. All righty, you are you are uh, the grace to all New York Jets fans' ears because I don't I don't think any of them think that Jacksonville's losing another game and giving back that number one pick. But uh, it would certainly make for let's, uh, let's make let's make the Arizona. holiday season nice for everybody, even Jets, even Jets fans. Apparently not Bears fans. Green Bay Packers they could clinch a first round bye with a Green Bay win plus a Seattle loss to oh I gotta get my schedule in front of me plus a Seattle loss to the Los Angeles Rams so Green Bay would have to beat Tennessee and Seattle would have to lose Los Angeles Rams okay mention the words there oh um that I think that's probably one of the more tough uh tough scenarios so I Those think again I think good the Packers will win the right 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 100 I think the Packers will win the the first round bye um I think they're going to win against the Titans. I can't confidently say that the Rams are going to lose this week because I think they're going to be pissed. No, Rams need to win. Rams need to beat Seattle. Um, But I do think Seattle is – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I totally got that mixed up then. Um, So then, yes, if that's the case, 
if that's the case, then yes, I think Green Bay can win the can get the first round by. Okay, so then you are calling for Rams clinching a playoff spot as well because they just need to beat Seattle to clinch a playoff spot. You are also calling for them to win it twice over, three times over actually, because Chicago needs to lose to Jacksonville uh, or Arizona needs to win. So an LA win, a Chicago loss, or an Arizona win gives the Rams a uh, a playoff spot. Nick says they get a playoff spot three times over. We're going to end it off here with just a, uh, a few quick hitters. New Orleans Saints, they need to clinch the NFC South with a New Orleans win or a Tampa Bay loss or both of those two teams tying. New Orleans plays the Minnesota Vikings. Tampa Bay plays the Detroit Lions. So they, they'll clinch the NFC – I'm sorry, the NFC South with a win and a Bucks loss, you said, correct? Win or a Bucks so, loss. Win or okay, so yeah, I think they're I think they're gonna win this week against the Vikings. So I then they clinch the NFC South. Okay, Tampa Bay clinches the playoff with a win over the Lions or a Bears loss. You already called the Bears to lose. This Tampa Bay win it twice over by beating the Lions. Uh, you know what? we're splitting our game picks. I'm gonna say you already called it with uh, with the Chicago loss to the Jags. Finally, I think the most interesting scenario of this week: the Washington Football <laughs> Team. They clinch the NFC. I've taken over. They clinch the NFC East with. A Washington win and a Giants loss or a Washington tie plus a Giants loss and a Philly-Dallas tie. So I think it's just the first scenario we're talking here. A Washington win plus a Giants loss. Washington plays, uh, goodness, Washington plays the Panthers and the Giants play the Ravens. So I think Washington will win. Maxwell's not here anymore, right? Good, okay. I think Washington's (laughs) going to win against the Panthers. Um. Giants need you know, to lose to the Ravens. Yeah, but part of me wants to call that as an upset. Part of me wants to call that as an upset. Um, you know what? It's Christmas, so why not? I'm going to say the Giants are going to actually upset the uh, the Baltimore Ravens, which is going to make everyone have to wait a week to see who wins the NFCs. It's Christmas. Nick's already a few eggnogs in, and uh, <laughs> he's just calling games left and right. Totally out of nowhere. Let's hope not, because Nick is driving. Uh, I am not. I am. I am not eggnogging it up right now. That is definitely for later. It, it might be a little too early, also for. Oh for yeah, yeah. It's, it's not even noon, and I know. I know five o'clock somewhere and all that fun stuff. But like, it's 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 a long night I got ahead of me with all yeah. this with Christmas stuff. So we ain't getting. If I have eggnog now or anything <laughs> alcoholic now, I'm not making. You're it not making like it to five o'clock. If it's yeah, for real, yeah. the real five. <laughs> Alrighty, game picks. Let's run through these. We'll start off with our Christmas Day game. It's Friday at 4.30 p.m. Minnesota Vikings at New Orleans Saints. So I picked the Saints to to win this one, so I'm going with the Saints. I think they're I, I think Drew Brees is gonna knock has already knocked off a little bit of that rust with some extra uh practice this week. Um he looked rusty last week as I thought he would, which is I think fair and to be expected with a guy who broke a bunch of ribs and then has to come back and play football. <laughs> Rib injuries hurt regardless. So, you know, that's not surprising me that he had a little bit of rust. Uh, I think he's going to be fine this week. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Detroit Lions. That's our first Saturday game, our Saturday matinee, if you will, 1 p.m. Uh, I think, you know, the Lions are, uh, you know, they're not very good. So um, uh, I think you got to go with, uh, you got to go with the Bucks on this one. You know, you know, we've been really disappointing. I'm sorry. Just real yeah. quick. Jeff, Jeffrey Akuda has been very disappointing this year. 
I was reading a bunch of stuff. Down season. Yeah. I, I just I because remember when we talked about him going into the draft, we were saying he was a lock to be one of the top corners in this in this league right out the yeah. gate. And he had that was one of those sporty. can't miss picks. And yeah, we and miss. good God, everybody missed. Yeah, that was definitely a shocker. I wouldn't be surprised if he develops into one of those guys. Uh, certainly has all the traits to do oh, so, but sure. definitely disappointing. Um, yeah, his career the, is not over yet. Yeah, and the Lions, by the way, on Saturday are not only missing their head coach who was fired, they're missing their interim head coach who was out because of COVID protocols and several other assistant coaches. They're having the uh, oh, that's the wide receivers coach is the head coach for the game. The quarterbacks coach is calling the plays and then a, 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 a stats analyst or something is calling the defensive plays. It's a mess right now in Detroit. So I'm going to yeah, happily, so safely pick no way. Tampa Bay. It's just, it's not happening. San Francisco 49ers at Arizona Cardinals. It's our Saturday 4.30 p.m. game. Uh, both teams at home, given the fact that the 49ers' current home stadium is in Arizona. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Cardinals in this one. I'm, I, you know, the 49ers, for what they've been able to do this year with the amount of injuries they've incurred, it's incredible. But uh, they're, they're just, I think the Cardinals are, are starting to heat up a little bit. Um, and, uh, and they're going to heat up as they get closer to the end of the season. Um, I'm going Cardinals in this one. Yeah, 49ers on their third quarterback of the year with C.J. Beathard. Their backup going into this game is going to be Josh Rosen. Uh, so unless Josh Rosen comes in and has a massive Josh Rosen revenge game, which is very unlikely, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and say that. Very, 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 very unlikely. Exceptionally unlikely. Alrighty, our... Our hometown Dolphins, the Saturday night primetime matchup at the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders, by the way, will likely have Derek Carr, given that he practiced in full on Wednesday, uh, recovering from his groin injury, which other people said would take two weeks to heal. Those people were apparently wrong. He practiced in full yesterday. So Dolphins at Raiders, likely with Derek Carr. Uh, I'm Regardless if Derek Carr is playing or not, I'm taking Miami. Their defense is just too good. Um, and I, like I said last week, I think this is there's a different culture around this unit, and we can talk about it more on Saturday before the game um, in our Dolphins show. But I think this culture is different. I think they're going to win the games they got to win, and I think that's you know going to continue. It started last week with New England, continue this week with with Vegas. Um, I think Miami wins it, and I'm going to maybe I don't know how hot I take this is, but I'm going to say Derek Carr re-aggravates his groin injury and does not finish the. To be honest, that kind of scares me. I'd rather play a hobbled Derek Carr than a fully healthy Mariota, given the fact that the Dolphins' defense has struggled against running quarterbacks. So uh, maybe that sparks the Raiders' offense. But regardless, I'm going to take Miami here as well. The defense has been very strong, especially as of late. Really, all they need to do here uh, is is slow Josh Jacobs, because I think a hobbled Derek Carr will have trouble against the secondary, even if the Dolphins commit to stopping the run. So uh, also, great get-right game for Miami's uh, passing attack. Their rushing attack already got right last week, but the Raiders' secondary is absolute garbage. So maybe you get Parker back, Gusecki back, and you start to uh, get to a roll in as well. And the same Miami takes this one. I don't even know it's going to be that close. I don't think so either. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a close game. Either. I think there's going to be multiple turnovers from the Raiders, and I think, I think the Dolphins are going to feast a little bit. Just a little bit. Giants at... Baltimore Ravens. I already called it. So I already called my upset. This is my, I guess my upset of the week. Um, I think the giants are going to make the Ravens very sad on Christmas or on the two days after Christmas. 
as we discussed also, for any Dolphins fan listening, uh, it's been a misconception going around right now. This game does not help Miami either way because if Baltimore beats Cincinnati uh, the, uh, next week, then uh, they have the AFC uh, conference tiebreaker on a uh, on a, a same record Dolphins. So uh, I'm just going to gonna throw that out there uh, for any Dolphins fans that are listening because we've seen that going around. Giants, uh, I'm going to say they don't win this game anyway. Uh, the Ravens got rolling uh, last week and over the the past couple of weeks. And I think we're able to keep that going. The Giants defense is underrated, but I don't think it'll be enough to stop uh, the Ravens rushing attack. So I'm going to pick the Baltimore Ravens here. I'll get an extra game up on you on our, uh, on our game picks record. Falcons at Chiefs. I think you called this one as well, correct? Yes, sir. Chiefs. I don't see any, I don't see, you know, listen, the Falcons are, you know, the Falcons are the Falcons. They're 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 just not as good of a football team as they were two three years ago, um, across the board. Uh, their offense is is you know a little bit better than their defense is, but they're just they're, there's no way they keep up with the Chiefs. There's no way. Yeah, not not a difficult game pick here. Uh, Chiefs for me as well. Browns at New York Jets doesn't get much easier than that, does it? I don't know. The Jets got a dub this oh, last week. Come on, it's not happening. So I don't know. I don't. It's I not mean, happening. I'm more confident oh, no. now than I would have been if they lost that game. Yeah, hundred percent. This is not Oh no, the Browns are going to run all. Over. This is this, this is not 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 going to be close here. Giants stay in uh, rather Jets stay in contention for that first overall pick. Browns win. Bears at Jags. The Knicks second upset of the week. My my insane upset of the week. Jets fans, Merry Christmas. I'm gonna pick the Bears here. I'm gonna happily, safely pick the Bears here. Don't think, uh, don't think Gardner Minshew's uh, running an upset over over the Chicago Bears, especially because he might not have uh, rookie sensation James Robinson at his disposal. So, yeah, Bears what, what, for me. So are they they they're choosing to rest Robinson? So yeah, the confusion of this came from an Adam Schefter tweet. Adam Schefter said that uh, their head coach Doug Marone said that they were gonna rest James Robinson this week against the Bears. Then someone else reported, I think it was Rappaport and a local Jags reporter said, Doug Marone said in a press conference that he's going to rest James Robinson through practice this week in preparation for the game against the Bears, but Robinson wants to play. And then Adam Schefter five minutes later was like, whoops, updated, they're resting him in practice. So he might play, but he's definitely resting in practice for any fantasy managers out there who are confused. Okay. Okay, yeah, Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> at Houston Texans. I'm gonna. Ooh, the Bengals are coming off a nice little win, huh? I, I don't think we anyone predicted that one. Ryan Finley leading a win over the Steelers. Who would have thought? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, again, I think the Steelers are a little, you know, meh. But uh, I don't. I don't. Hmm. Let me take the Texans. Texans for me too. I uh, I think that was more of a a one game. A one-game wonder, if you will. No, it was, the, uh, Justin, it was one of two, a one of a two-game wonder, because they're going to be the Ravens next week. Ah, secure Miami's playoff spot, no matter uh, no matter the outcome of their game against the Bills. I'm not so sure. That's the that, dream. We'll get to that next week. We'll get to that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Colts at Steelers. I think you called this one as well. Yes, Steelers. Steelers are going to bounce back. I just can't see them losing four in a row like that. I'm going to say they do lose four in a row. That, that offense Ooh. looks like it's in trouble. The Colts' defense is salivating to play this struggling Steelers' offense. They've got really little run game. They've got receivers who are dropping passes. They've got receivers who are tick-tocking more than they're catching passes. It, it's kind of a mess right now in Pittsburgh. 
I'm going to say they drop another one here, and the Colts uh, secure themselves a playoff spot with a win in this game. Carolina Panthers at Washington football team. Uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Washington football team. Let's uh, let's keep that train rolling. Let's secure Adam. Um, I'm sorry, Alex Smith, not Adam Smith. Alex Smith, the um, <laughs> that uh, comeback player of the year award. Uh, that defense is actually pretty good, like we talked about already when we spoke a little bit about Chase Young and his uh, candidacy for defensive player, the uh, rookie of the year. Um, yeah, let's go Washington. Yeah, they might get Antonio Gibson back. They might get Alex Smith back. It's good things for that Washington offense. Panthers already have CMC as doubtful. They're probably not getting him back. Things are pointing they, they up for Washington. Should, if they're, if they're going to be smart, they need to stop trying to make CMC play. Like, and shut him down for the year. You want him next it's year. It's just weird. I don't – if you – yeah. If he, if he gets more injured than whoever the head coach um, – oh, my God, I can't think of his name. I can see. Oh, we, we <laughs> Nick, Nick, Nick's having some connection issues. I may have lost. That's the end of what he said there. Uh, but oh, yes, I said Matt, Matt Rule should be firing. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. If Matt Rule's considering playing CMC, then uh, I, I don't know what to tell you because it, it's not rule. worth winning one fire of these last two rule. games. Fire <laughs> Rule. If, if he gets hurt again, you fire that man because you're <laughs> Hey, listen, it might be the trainers, honestly. I'm not sure whose decision that is, but whoever it is should. If you uh, think that he should, should be playing in a meaningless football game when next year you could potentially uh, – you could play significantly better than what you've got this year. Then whoever makes that decision should be fired. Yeah. Someone's got to shut CMC down. Okay. AFC West about here. One we haven't talked yet because it has zero playoff implications, but uh, Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos against Justin Herbert yeah. and the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, um, I think I'm going to go with the Chargers. Uh, you're right. It really doesn't. This is kind of lame of a game. Uh, but, you know, the Chargers have been winning a few. They've stopped losing in glorious fashion like they were at the middle and the beginning of this year. Um, so I think, I think I'm going to take the Chargers, um, you know, in, in a revenge game because they lost earlier this year to the Broncos, right? So, yeah, I'm going to go Chargers. I'm going to take the Broncos here. The of course you will. About, <laughs> the questions about Drew Locke's future are running rampant in Denver right now. John Elway saying they like what they have in Locke, but obviously they need to see more, cut down on the turnovers, which he has. Drew Locke, I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna say it. I'm just listing stats here. Drew Locke has played much better football over the past couple of weeks than he did earlier in the season. He has not thrown an interception in a couple of games now. He's thrown several touchdowns. I think it's like seven touchdowns, no picks in the past three games. So uh, definitely better football here from Drew Locke. I think it'll be enough with uh, the, the decent Denver defense, with the other guys he has around him, with Melvin Gordon having his own revenge game. Uh, for for the Broncos to overcome the Chargers, I don't see this as like a high scoring shootout affair, but one where uh, Drew Luck is just enough to win. Noah Fant also getting going finally for uh, for the Broncos after uh, nursing an ankle injury for much of the year. Another game with uh, well limited playoff implications, especially because uh, Washington can lock up the division this week. The Philadelphia Eagles against the Dallas Cowboys. I'm gonna go with the Eagles. Um, you know, although the Cowboys seem to have I don't know if we can call it hitting a stride, but they, they're playing a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I don't I don't think they're going to be able to – I don't think that's going to be consistent um, from week to week. So I'm going to go with the Eagles. Jalen Hurts making a really strong case to ship Carson Wentz off in the offseason. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles for me too. This Cowboys defense can't stop anyone, never mind a rookie who's uh, certainly showing that he has the goods, if you will. It's only been a couple of games – 
but Jalen Hurts has certainly impressed and I think will continue to do so in a uh, in a cake matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. Los Angeles Rams at Seattle Seahawks. One of our final three here. I already made this pick, didn't I? I think you did. I don't remember who you picked. In the, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I picked the Rams I, I to clinch. I, don't, I honestly don't remember who you picked, but I'm pretty uh, sure I picked the Rams to clinch. So okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna pick the Seahawks. The Rams are potentially without Cam Akers. Uh, the running game is going to be relying on there. Not that not that it can't because Henderson's showed showed quite a bit this year, but uh, in the latter half or former half of the year. But I'm gonna pick the Seahawks. Russ continues to cook. This should be a very fun game. This should be a great game. Uh, certainly one that I'm happy will probably get some national attention in the later window of, uh, of Sunday. So I'm going to pick the Seahawks against the Rams. This, now, my opinion, very rarely do you get an interconference matchup that's the game of the week, but that's what we have here. Tennessee Titans going into Lambeau and playing Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Oh, yeah, this is going to be fun to watch at the bare minimum, uh, especially for those of us that have – this doesn't really affect a lot of them. Yeah, this is the national Sunday night um, game. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, and then the Green Bay Packers MVP Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I think it's gonna be high scoring. Uh, I think there's gonna be a lot of points, which is always fun. But um, I think Derrick Henry's gonna throw at least pack two Packers into each other, um, <laughs> like physically lift them from the ground and hurdle and like just <laughs> hurl them, not hurdle, hurl them towards another player. Hurdle and um, hurl at the same time. Yeah, at the same time. It, while yeah, while doing like a, a backflip. Um, so. I, I think Henry's going to have a good game, but I think the the Packers are going to uh, are, are going to put together a pretty pretty good victory, pretty quality victory against a good a good opponent. I was going to say Derrick Henry runs into Green Bay and and, and runs over the Packers because they have a lackluster run defense, and you could you could see it happening. But it's Aaron Rodgers. It's December in Lambeau. I just can't. I just can't it does, do it. You don't need fans. You don't need fans yeah. because cold doesn't cold shows up without fans. Like it's yeah, going to be freezing. It's just what he does. Aaron Rodgers wins in Lambeau in December. That's yep. just what he does. So can't pick yep. against them. I'm going to go Packers as well. Say they clench, as you say, that, uh, that number one seed. <laughs> this is a, a bit of, it's funny. This in most years would be a very fun game to watch. A very interesting game, a game that has a lot of playoff implications, but the last the New England Patriots fell last week to our Miami Dolphins, are out of the playoffs. It's the Buffalo Bills. They're going into Foxborough for, uh, to play a limping New England Patriots team that just wants to get through the end of the year. Monday Night Football, who do you have? I'm going to take Buffalo. Uh, I don't want to because I would love for Buffalo to lose and my, Miami to have a shot at, you know. I guess, I guess it's actually probably better that they win because then if they rest their starters next week, exactly. Miami has a better shot to make the yeah, they already got the division. Anyway. But I'm going to pick, because I've already made a couple of ridiculous upset picks this week, I'm not going to make a third one. Um, I think Buffalo's going to beat them down pretty good. Yeah, I don't think this is close either. I actually don't know why we haven't already heard, as of the recording of this episode, that Jarrett Stidham is starting. I don't know why you would continue to play Cam Newton. I think you know what you have in Cam Newton. I think you should at least try to find what you have in Jarrett Stidham for two games, because you have practically no live regular season in-game information on Jarrett Stidham, and you have to make a decision, likely, about picking a good quarterback in the draft. The Patriots very, uh, could very well have a top-12 pick. That's right in that, uh, that range for a Kyle Trask, for a Mac Jones, for a, uh, a Wilson out of BYU. So I think Jarrett Stidham should be playing this game, which leads me to believe that Buffalo will win even more. But we haven't heard that yet. 
regardless, Newton or Stidham, it's the Bills for me. I agree. Yeah, and I, and I think you bring up a good point. You know, uh, if New England's smart and not coaching for their pride, which I think Belichick shouldn't, they should give Stidham the start because you know you're not bringing Cam Newton back. Might as well see what you got. Nor does he need to, by the way. It's not like Belichick is coaching for his job here. We, there's no, oh, there's no, no way, mistake Jose. about that. So why he wouldn't start Stidham, honestly, is beyond me. Unless he already knows from what he's seen in practice that Stidham's not the guy. Like, unless he knows that for sure. Uh, but you and, and I both know. Through. But you and I both know practice doesn't mean a whole lot. It's got to be no. in the games. No, but if if Belichick is saying to himself, "Listen, Sidon's not our, our future. I don't think, and I'm not going to find that out over two games, and I'll probably pick up a quarterback anyway." Um, then, regardless, Sidon sure. should start. But uh, I I could see the argument for for why maybe not. Either way, Bills for me, uh, and that concludes our game pick segment, Nick. We're just up on an hour here, which uh, is honestly, we're getting really good at this whole timing thing. Yeah, we are. We're killing it. Anything you want to throw in before we wish everyone a very Merry Christmas uh, for our uh, our all NFL episode? No, I just, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, you know, ring in the holidays. Everybody have a wonderful holiday. Uh, Make sure to get celebrating. He's ready to get to the eggnog. (laughs) Yeah, again, if I start now, then, oof. Because we remember, so I, I, my girlfriend is um, uh, is, is Chilean, so they celebrate Christmas at midnight. So if I start the eggnog now, I am that, not I didn't know that was a thing. making it. It is a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. Meaning, like you don't do anything Christmas related until midnight. No, no, no. We no, no, no. You do you the present, the fun stuff happens ah, at midnight. Okay. Like the present stuff happens at midnight. So you got to make it to midnight. Like we're gonna be eating and all that kind of stuff. You gotta make so it if I start eggnog, midnight. You gotta make not two minutes through midnight. Exactly. So if I hit the eggnog now, if I hit anything with with any sort of alcohol content right now, there ain't no way I'm making it past midnight. You're still young. You could do like the whole rally, you know, you know, the drink, nap, and rally kind of thing. <laughs> well, I would need I would need a nap, and usually when I nap, I end up cranky, and then that just ruins the whole thing. So uh, yeah, we don't want that. We don't want cranky Nick. No, cranky Nick is the worst. No one wants that. No one wants I that. hate cranky Nick. <laughs> He's an asshole. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to wish <laughs> you and Cranky Nick both a very Merry Christmas now, to everyone listening. Very Thank Merry you. Christmas to you. We started this, Nick, in, was it March or April? Um, and we're still going strong with multiple episodes a week, and that's because uh, of all you guys who are listening. So thank you very much for, for sticking through uh, this crazy 2020. We'll be here before the end of 2020. We'll be doing a bit of a Dolphin show uh, on Saturday before because uh, the Dolphins play at night so we'll do something earlier on Saturday and then get that out to you guys uh, on your podcast platforms for our, our pre-Dolphin show but uh, and then we'll be back next week to review Miami's week 16 matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders and uh, we'll be bringing pick up the blitz right into the new year we'll do a national coverage week 17 episode uh, but all that sort of just pending uh, new year schedule and things like that so be on the lookout for our Twitter for for updates on when things will be coming out over the next few days as we navigate uh, this holiday season. But wishing you all a very, very happy holidays. Merry Christmas, whatever you're celebrating. Hope you have a wonderful, uh, wonderful holiday season over the next uh, couple of days. And we will see you uh, in, uh, on the other side. Yep. Hey, thank you, guys, and have a wonderful holiday. Stay safe out there. Justin, enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk soon.